0: Well, good morning. Welcome to worship at Ashland Place. We're so glad that you all have chosen to be here. Um, As Amy mentioned, you definitely can feel that it's May outside. It's getting warmer and muggier, and all the signs of spring are kind of coming to a close, and we are looking at a summer that's right on the cusp. And even within the church, you know, we have these signs that we are coming to the end of one season and beginning another Next week, we will celebrate our 2021 seniors, our high school seniors, hard to believe. The next week, we will celebrate 10 years of the Joseph Project. The next week, we will confirm our confirmations for this year. I mean, truly unbelievable, but this year is kind of coming to a close. And today is also the last Sunday in our series, Resurrection and Second Chances. So far, we've looked at resurrection encounters, and the first two weeks, it's when Jesus showed up unexpectedly and told the disciples about how they were to live as disciples post-resurrection. So telling them, peace be with you, and telling them that they are called to be witnesses in the world. Last week we looked at the story where Jesus told the disciples that he was the good shepherd. You know, he told them that before his death and resurrection. And today we're looking at a story from the book of Acts about Philip and his encounter with a man, and you can truly see in this story how his life was truly changed by the resurrection. But in order to really understand this story, we need to remember that the book of Acts as a whole is about the universal, the gospel being given to the whole universe. You know, the universal spread of the gospel to every nation, to every tongue. As Acts records it, the church was supposed to preach this good news, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, in this story, Philip is sent south, away from Judea and Samaria. I guess he's left it for some of the other disciples. And this story from today is said to be how the gospel got into Africa for the first time, which is really interesting. So as I was thinking about this and thinking about the song Testimony that we just sung and how this is really the story of the faith origin for these people. I I was wondering, who told you the good news for the first time? I want you to think about that for a second. Like, who was it that told you about God and about Jesus for the very first time? Our Bible is full of these stories, so perhaps you were like Timothy, and it was a grandmother or a maternal figure who told you about Jesus from the moment you were born, and that was showered over you, and you can't even remember a time before you heard the good news. Or maybe your life was more like Saul, and people tried to tell you about Jesus over and over and over, but it took a dramatic experience, the Damascus Road experience, a divine intervention for you to grasp that this good news was good news for you too. Or perhaps you were like the Ethiopian man in our story today, And you had been seeking to be a part of this faith community, but it wasn't until someone came and told you about their testimony. They told you about their experience, their life, the reason they believed this for themselves. And you grasped on, and it's been your story ever since. But throughout the book of Acts, we see that the gospel, as it spread, it is especially intriguing and special for people who have been on the fringes of society, those who have been told that they have no place in religion, those who have been pushed out. And so you'll see that, especially today, in this story about an Ethiopian man. So hear now this reading from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. He replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuchs saw him no more, and they went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Within this passage, Luke tells us a good bit about the characters in the story. And these are two men that could not have been more different. Philip, known as Philip the Evangelist, is one of the seven Greek-speaking Jewish disciples who is sent out by the 12 to tend to the needs of others. This eunuch is from Ethiopia in northeast Africa, and he was in charge of the treasury of the Candace, which that's not the name of someone that's like a title of the Candace, and the head of the government in Ethiopia. So this man, his job, his ability to travel by chariot, the fact that he had an actual scroll means that he was a man of power and wealth and status. He was an insider on all accounts except for within a faith tradition. Laws in Deuteronomy and Leviticus gave lower status to eunuchs because they were seen as defective and scarred because they couldn't be fruitful and multiply. Because of this physical alteration, they were banned from entering the temple. Yet, this man had just traveled a thousand miles to go to the temple. From Ethiopia to Jerusalem was pretty much the ends of the earth at this time. And he had traveled that far knowing he wouldn't be allowed to go in and worship. So Philip has been directed by the Spirit to go along this wilderness road And this is where he comes across this Ethiopian man. So he hears him reading out loud from the prophet Isaiah. This was common at the time that you would read out loud. So Philip, you know, I imagine him kind of off to the side. He hears this man reading the prophet Isaiah. And scripture says he literally ran beside the chariot to say, hey, do you know what that means? Do you know what's going on? Like literally running because the spirit told him to. So he runs to this man, the man stops the chariot and says, how can I understand what this means unless someone tells me? And he invites Philip to get into the chariot with him, and then they begin to do some exegesis. They begin to look at this scripture together. The book of Isaiah has been a book of hope and promise for outcasts in society, for the poor, the sick, those with disabilities, and specifically for eunuchs. Isaiah 56, 4-5 prophesies a time of messianic blessing when eunuchs and those who are outcast in society will be welcomed into the house of the Lord. So when they're looking at the book of Isaiah, Philip, this Jewish evangelist, and this Ethiopian eunuch read together this scroll about a man who was like a sheep led to the slaughter but remained silent. If Philip has the opportunity to tell him this is about Jesus. That's who the prophecy is about. Jesus is the messianic hope, the one who will open the door for all people to come and be a part of this faith tradition. He tells him about Jesus, about his life, the death and resurrection, and that Jesus is the one who has opened the door to salvation for all who would become his followers. Having heard this good news proclaimed by Philip, this man who has appeared, run beside his chariot, and jumped inside the chariot with him, the eunuch says, What is to prevent me from being baptized? I don't want us to miss this moment because there's a lot. That's a loaded question for him. Because before this encounter, there was a lot preventing him from being baptized. There were laws, there were traditions. He could not be baptized. He could not enter the temple. But he realizes the hope that Jesus has extended and that this good news means it's good news for him in his life too. So they go down to the water and Philip baptizes him and right there on the spot, he becomes a child of God. Philip and the Ethiopian are two characters in the story, but there's obviously another character, the Spirit of God, which is active and at work in both of the lives of these two men. Philip is connecting to God and listening, and it's almost like he's in a trance as he is led down this road, you know, runs beside the chariot, jumps inside the chariot, tells him his testimony, baptizes him, and then it says he is scooped away. It's like he vanishes, teleportation style, and goes to another place to tell more people about the good news of Jesus Christ. But the Spirit was also obviously at work in this Ethiopian man before Philip arrived. We find him. He has just traveled again a thousand miles to go somewhere he knew he could not actually go into. He had obtained a scroll of Isaiah, and he was actively reading, trying to understand what it meant for himself. And as soon as the invitation was offered and he knew that it was for him, he took it. So the Spirit was working within them, between them, and they perceived it and rejoiced at this good news. This is a radical story about God's grace and love being available to all people. This is a story about inclusion and salvation for a man who was once deemed defective and unworthy. But because of the resurrection, the words from Romans 8 ring true, that there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. As Easter people who believe that Jesus is raised from the dead and has conquered death and all the things that would seek to separate us, we are to be like Philip, attentive to the spirit that's trying to lead us to places we know and places we don't know, and always being willing to share our story how we heard the good news, and how it has changed our life. The lectionary text from the Gospel of John today gives us a little clue about how we can do this, how we can be more like Philip, who was more you know, like Jesus, so how we can be like Jesus. So Jesus, before his death and resurrection, he tells the disciples that I am the true vine, and those who abide in me will bear much fruit. Jesus says these things, because he knew that they were going to be challenged in the days ahead when Jesus was no longer with them, and he wanted to give them a metaphor that they would understand. And I don't know about you, but I have not seen many vineyards in my life, so this is a metaphor I had to do a little research on. I didn't know a lot about what it looks like or what it means that Jesus would say, I am the vine and you are the branches. But upon further research, when a vineyard is healthy and growing, you can't tell the vines from the branches. It's like a jumbled mess of growth and vines and greenery. And that is exactly the point. When we are abiding in Christ, this word abide means to dwell, to remain, to stay close. When we are rooted and grounded in Christ, you shouldn't be able to tell if it's us or Christ because it should all be the same. When we are rooted and grounded in this way, abiding, Our motivations and desires and actions, our words, will come directly from the source, which is Christ. So when we abide in Christ, we will be inclined to show others this love and grace as we have been shown, and to spread this good news to all of creation. We have an opportunity today, like we do every week, to come and celebrate Holy Communion. Holy Communion is so much more than a snack. And I recognize that now it's even less of a snack because we have the cheeses, Jesus, as Jess says. (laughs) The little wafers and we have the juice. But it's so much more than that. It was more than that even when it was the Hawaiian bread and we all loved it and we dipped it in the juice. It's so much more than something that we just do in this service. This is a tangible reminder of God's love, his inclusive love, forgiveness, and mercy, grace, extended to all of creation. Because when Jesus was crucified and gave himself up for us, it wasn't just for Ashland Place Church, or just for people who look like us, or talk like us, or who have always been invited and included. God came down in the flesh to open the door of salvation to people of every age, race, race gender, nationality, culture, socioeconomic status, all people have been invited to receive this grace. And by the grace of God, each time we celebrate this holy meal, the Holy Spirit connects us back to God, to each other, to the communion of saints, people who have died that we love and miss. We are connected to them and to people all around the world who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a powerful, life-changing meal. And every time we come, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we have this good news for us and for others. Thanks be to God for people like Philip, who listened to the Spirit leading him to spread this good news, to share his story of faith with this Ethiopian man. Thanks be to God for the people in our lives who told us about Jesus for the first time and empowered us to live into this faith. And thanks be to God that we have the opportunity to be a part of this story by sharing this good news with others. May we be so bold today and all the days of our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.